it's important for our kids to see us model what it looks like to really apologize and not just saying sorry, you know, why I'm sorry. And, you know, I would sometimes try to explain maybe where I was coming from, not necessarily as an excuse, but just to help them maybe have some understanding beyond themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Mother's Day is now just one week away, and this series is continuing on its pursuit to uplift, challenge, and celebrate all moms for different backgrounds and various stages. I've learned something new from each mom I've talked to, and this conversation will be no different. For the fourth episode of our Motherhood series, I'll be talking with my friend, Joy McMahon. Hey, guys. Joy is a former educator and office manager but is currently a volunteer leader for the College Girl Ministry at First West, willingly willingly pouring herself into the next generation of women. Oh, yeah. And she's a mom. So, Joy, thanks for coming out today. Oh, thanks for having me. Before we jump into everything, I just got to know, what made you want to work with college girls? How did that come about? Well, when Jericho Jones was our college minister... Oh, like that was about six years ago, right? Right, right. And he okay. wanted to start home groups. He actually asked me to start a young professionals uh, home group. For oh, girls. yeah, the young pros. That was me. I was in that class. Right, right. And <laughs> I, back agreed, when. <laughs> I agreed to do that. And then one Sunday, he brings me the materials and he says, I think I've decided I want you to do the college girls. And I was reluctant at that time because my oldest child, Michael, was that same age. And I wasn't sure that those girls would respond well to me. I prayed about it and I agreed to give it a try. On the first night, I had one girl come. I had all this food and everything prepared. And she was really sweet to stay, even though um, I might have run for the hills. But she stayed. And then the second week, we had um, four girls. And from that, it grew. They liked something. They do. They do. We have a great time. And so now our group is anywhere from 15 to 20 on Tuesday nights. And so after raising boys, it's been a lot of fun to work with college girls. They're completely different. And I really enjoy it. Well, great. Yeah. And that's just that's just awesome. Like what a testament to stepping out of your comfort zone. You know, you never know what you're missing out. That's right. That's yeah. right. And thank you for doing all that and for continuing doing all that. That's sure. I just know that's a lot of work and all. It's fun. All right. But let's get to it. This is why everyone didn't want to listen today. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Joy, how many children do you have and what are their names and ages? Okay. So I've got three boys. I've got Michael, who's 24. And then I've got twins, Joseph and James, who are 20. And they all just had birthdays in April. So I'm getting used to those Ooh, new ages. I no yeah. longer have any teenagers. So, <laughs> All right. So you're an empty nester now. Yes. How does it feel to have raised, you know, three grown men? Are you more proud of yourself or them? Well, I have to say I'm more proud of them. They are delightful adults to be around. I enjoy spending time with them. But I think the thing that I'm the most proud of is that they are all following the Lord. And that has been such a great blessing to see. Michael, our oldest, is Mm -hmm. Anne. So that's fun. We have a wonderful daughter-in-law, Haley. And he's in dental school in Kansas City. So they're far away from us. Mm -hmm. But they are. she serves, she works at a church there. And he serves too at that church. And so to see him doing that. 
that. And they have a small group and just really proud of them and what they're doing. And then uh, James and Joseph are freshmen at Louisiana Tech mm-hmm. and they're living on campus. They're actually roommates and that's oh. turned out pretty good well, so that's far. Fun. Yeah. Yes. They went from having their own rooms at home to now sharing a room oh. in the dorm. Get but that's on another level. <laughs> that's right. So, but that's gone well. And they have gotten really involved at Temple Baptist in their, okay. in their yeah. college department and just have found a great group of friends. They're in small groups with their friends. And I just, I know in college, there's so many options. It's kind of like a three ring circus and they could be doing lots of different things. But mm-hmm. as of right now, as far as I know, they, yeah. are, uh, they are making really wise choices. And so I guess that's what makes me proud. Yeah. They're making those, continuing to make those wise choices right. without you standing there next right. to them. Tell them they have to. That's yeah. right. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you always want to be a mom? I did. So I grew up an only child mm-hmm. and my parents were a little older when I came along. They'd actually been married for 17 years when okay. they adopted me. And so it was, you know, my parents were older it was a very quiet house, you know, mm. and so I'd go over to friends' houses and there would be, most of my friends had sisters and there mm-hmm. were lots of these girls around and it was just a lot of fun. And so, I, and for me as a mom, I definitely wanted to have more than one child Yeah, and just to have a little bit more excitement in the house. Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> a little bit more joy. So before you were a mom, what did you think it'd be like? Well, I, I thought it would be a lot of work. I knew it would be a lot of work. But I thought that if I put a plan in place and I stuck with the schedule, you mm-hmm. know, it would all be manageable. It would be fine. And you know, I looked forward to seeing my children grow and learn. I had a very Pollyanna view of parenting. Mm. I tend to see things with the glass half full. Yeah. And that's kind of how I saw parenting. It'll be fine. It'll be great. We'll work out. And yeah. yes, exactly. And it did not take long, like, you know, hours before we left the hospital to realize that there's no perfect formula. They're not going to do, you know, just like you think they're going to do. There's surprises around every corner. You're supposed to get it, but you know, they're newborns. Like, you're supposed to be in bed at like it's five. Like, right. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's 5 a.m. What, are you, what right. are you doing? You're off your schedule. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I did. I I had read a book that I thought was just going to be the secret to having a baby that slept mm-hmm. through the night. And it was just, you know, I wasn't any one of those tired moms and, yeah. and all that. But well, it didn't yeah. quite work out that way. <laughs> yeah. No perfect formula. No. Mm mm. So what was it like raising twins? Well, when they were babies, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really kind of a fog. I did have to keep a schedule with the twins because or I would have been up all night feeding them. You know, if one of them woke up, we everybody ate. And, you know, (laughs) so we, you know, we did that. So the first two years were kind of foggy. But then, you know, they were just each other's playmate. Mm -hmm. And then Michael was a great big brother. He's four years older than they are. And so Mm -hmm. he was just really good to help me just be an extra pair of hands. And I did have help. I don't want people to think that I didn't have help. There was we had a wonderful college student named Holly who would come for a couple of hours a day so that I could run Mm -hmm. to the grocery store or if we did need to get out, I had an extra pair of hands. And so, you know, it was hard. And people at church didn't realize the twins could walk until they were like four because I always had them in a stroller (laughs) (laughs) because they would go different directions. Yeah, it's just too hard. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but I will say that one of the harder parts of raising twins was just comparison. People would Mm -hmm. compare them to one another. And, you know, that was that was hard, especially in school, you know, with grades. Mm -hmm. And things like that. And one story from kind of them being compared and when it was it was heartbreaking and happy all at the same time. But when they were in fifth grade at our elementary schools is when they do the student of the year. And they both were chosen to go through the interview process. And Mm -hmm. the way they do that is with a series of um, 
questions and interviews and things that they do and they get scores for each Mm -hmm. of those things and then they total up the scores and then whoever has a high score gets the student of the year so I knew that that was going on one one day and that by the end of the day we would know who had won and honestly I just kind of prayed that neither of them would win yeah you know I just thought it would be easier in my house if just you know let's just let somebody else have that and so I got a phone call from the assistant principal about 1.30 in the afternoon and she says Joy we have a problem and I said okay and she said we've done all of our interviews We've done everything, looked at all their grades and scores and everything. And they have come to the exact same number. And she said, we've never had that happen before between even just two students, much less twins. And Mm -hmm. she said, so we brought them back in. We've asked them one more question to try to determine who was going to be our student of the year. She said, we know who that's going to be. She said, but I want to give you the option. I can go ahead and say now who it's going to be, mm-hmm. or you can have them come home and you can celebrate that they were both winners. They were both at the top and kind of have yeah. a night to celebrate. And then tomorrow morning we'll, we'll name who the winner is. And of yeah. course that's the option that I chose. And so I did get to celebrate them together that night. My husband and I did. And then, you know, then one of them won and, you know, it was Thank goodness my boys have always been each other's cheerleaders. Yeah. And it didn't. I'm sure that there was a little heartache there for a minute, but it wasn't. It didn't last very long. Yeah. So just the comparison sometimes is hard. I know that's with siblings no matter what, but mm-hmm. it seems like with twins. Just extra. Like in your face. Right. Right. It's just kind of everyone's like, oh, either y'all look exactly alike or oh, right. y'all don't look alike. Right. And ask all the silly questions to go along with that. But yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So how would you describe yourself as a mom? Okay. So I'm pretty realistic. I don't really have, I try to keep realistic expectations for my kids. I'm pretty proactive. Structure is kind of loose. I like to have some structure built built in, but you know, letting some things happen and not everything be scheduled. And then I'm kind of non-conventional too. Okay. So, ooh, non-conventional. What do you mean by that? The reason I, I, I said that is that I feel like for our family, we have chosen things that that are important to us that are not important to a lot of people. Okay. Like, um, you know, things that are eternal for our kids, okay. not necessarily the things that all the other parents want their kids to be super good at or, yeah. or you know, I, we wanted our kids to, to be, you know, as we were raising them to have, whether it's, you know, in educationally or in sports or whatever, something that they could take with them past 12th grade. Yeah. And so that was, that was important to us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are some not so fun parts Mm -hmm. of motherhood? What's been some difficult parts? You know, of course, just seeing them hurt or let down, um, and then not being able to help that, you're not being able yeah. to help them. That was more when they were older, you know, just having disappointments in life and and not being able to, to fix it. Because I do tend to like a schedule, I was not a super fan, fan of birthday parties, chaotic times. <laughs> I'm really more even I mean, I'm just more of a, I like the everyday life. That's mm-hmm. that's what I enjoy parenting. And so those mm-hmm. special days, school field trips, mm-hmm. birthday parties, all the chaotic things were, I guess, I felt out of control. Maybe we're yeah. coming up with a theme here. But when I felt out of control, <laughs> no. you know, that's those were the parts of, of parenting that weren't as fun to me. I was ready to get back to our house and back to some structure. But and, and really, I guess just seeing the the hardest thing though was just seeing the things that they had wanted not come about or people hurt their feelings. I mean, I know I have boys, but there still was times. Um, usually, girls are the ones that have the drama. But there were times when we had hurt feelings and friendship mm-hmm. problems. 
problems and things like that. And to see that happen is is hard. Yeah. So what was your discipline style? You know, Steve and I were really, Steve's my husband, and we were, clear expectations were very important to us. And then, you know, along with that, if there was, you know, an expectation that wasn't met, the consequences needed to fit the behavior. You know, timeouts were probably our our most, when they were little, were our our biggest to disciplinary Mm -hmm. tactic. Spanking when needed. It wasn't, that wasn't something that we did very yeah. often, you know, t- taking things away that were prized possessions and when they're mm-hmm. little, whether that's a toy or as they got older and electronic something or PlayStation mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to the keys and the cell phone. You yeah. know, we've had to do that before. But um, and then really too, just letting some natural consequences happen yeah. to let them learn for themselves. Mm. Yeah. So natural consequences, like, can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. So like if one of them came down the stairs in a pair of shorts and it's 30 degrees outside, you know, I wasn't Mm going to get all upset about that. Okay. Well, you're going to be cold. You're just reminding them of what, (laughs) what the weather's like. like, (laughs) Yeah. And so then the next day they'd freeze all day and the next day they would, you know, wear jeans to school Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, just not trying to fix everything for them. If they had, you know, if they bombed a test or if they had a argument with a friend or if they would just not trying to be the the mom that made everything just perfect. Yeah. Let them figure out how to Mm -hmm. work things out themselves. You know, Asher does little things like that right now. I mean, he's only 16 months old. Right. Can't quite talk. But like, I can tell he's getting frustrated because he can't do whatever he's trying to do. I'm like, no, no, you can you can do it. I just kind of purposely, I won't say suffer, but <laughs> right, well, figure it out a little right, bit more. Right. Like, because sometimes some things like he, yeah, you can you need to do a little bit more effort. Right. It'll happen. <laughs> and it helps him grow, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's just part of the learning process. And then eventually... I will if it's okay. Right, help him. Yes, like, right. Because he's only he's still a baby. But, right. But I agree with your uh, mentality there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like some things, you know, they should figure it out a little bit more for themselves. Right. right. Yeah. Um. Do you feel that there is anything you could be better at? Okay. Always. There's always things I could be better at. You know, we did mention control earlier. So loosening up a little bit, you know, we've gone on a vacation or we would have, you know, and I always have a schedule written out of Ooh, what we're going to do. Yeah, that one. Yes. I yes. kind of like, like a loose agenda myself. Okay. It's, just, it's not an agenda. Right. Like, you know, it's not just, like we don't want to waste our time. Yeah. Right. We're only here for so long. I get, I'm feeling you. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I just loosen up a little bit, you know, and then consistency always. I mean, you know, just especially when they're little and you're trying to train them on, you know, whether it's manners or obedience or whatever it is, just being consistent. And that sometimes mm-hmm. it's just or potty training. Right. <laughs> yes. It wears you out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's it is tough. That's something I'm, people always talk about. Be consistent. Be consistent. Man, is it hard to do. It is hard when you're it's tired hard. and yes, it's at like, the end of the day. And, <laughs> and, and then for yourself, you're like, it's not really that big of a deal to me. But if, but then, you know, if I let it go, it's going to be going to be a big deal for them down the road. Exactly. But it's still, gosh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and and two for me, another thing I could have been better, it's just selflessness. You know, there's just times when, oh, I didn't want to be bothered with whatever it was they needed or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just that, you know, just sometimes Mm -hmm. wanting to do what I wanted to do, you know, not worrying about what other people think of my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. if they're pitching a fit at the store, you know, taking that 
time to talk to them right there, even though you're in the line at the grocery store about mm-hmm. why we're not going to get that candy bar instead of mm-hmm. just saying, we'll talk about it later, you know, yeah. and because I'm embarrassed, you know, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that they understand Right there, yeah. You know, what we need mm-hmm. to do. So that was that was something, and then apologizing Ooh, when I've done some things that I shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's something that Sarah in our first episode like had mentioned too. Can you tell us why apologizing is you know is something important or something we should talk about more? Well, you know, I think that it's important for our kids to see us model what it looks like to really apologize and not just saying sorry, you know, why I'm sorry. And, you know, I would sometimes try to explain maybe where I was coming from, not necessarily as an excuse, but just to help them maybe have some understanding beyond themselves as well. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's important to model that because, you know, and then, and they, I have to say, my kids are pretty good at apologizing. I mean, I think we've, that's something that we've, I don't know, maybe that stuck. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I I think at large society just doesn't, we all have to do the blame game. No. Right. Yeah. So something that'll make them stand out by having that for sure. Right. So how do you define being a good mom? Well, for me, being willing to look at your children individually and see what they need at a specific time or stage, you know, not all kids fit into one mold, uh, And at the same time, while you're doing that, looking, giving them room to grow and figure out some things on their own, kind of like you mentioned before. mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a tough balance, but something very wise and good to do. So what mom from the Bible is a good example of that? I thought of Eunice, the New Testament, the mother of Timothy. She taught her son to love and follow and serve Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad you brought her up. Like, I think that makes her so special is that she taught her son, Timothy, you know, who, by the way, became Paul's understudy. Mm-hmm. So it's not just some some guy, you know, in part by living her own life, just sold out to God. You know, you know she's one of those lesser known people of the Bible, but it's mm-hmm. really impactful. There's a whole verse like <laughs> devoted to her. This is what scripture says about her and Timothy. It says in this is Second Timothy uh, chapter one, verse five. It says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, Lewis, and in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. And I'm like, man, what a legacy to know, to have it known about you and your mother Mm -hmm. and your grandmother Mm -hmm. that you have such a sincere faith. That's just, that's wow. It is. And that was something that was very important to me to instill in my children is that knowing Jesus and having that, that no matter what, Jesus never changes. Yeah. And, and, you know, my mother was a mother, was a woman of faith. And, you know, hopefully we're passing this down now to, you know, our boys and then they can pass it on. I mean, it's how we grow the kingdom of God. Yeah. is through that sincere Mm -hmm. faith. Yeah. All right. Uh, This just rolls on to the next question. What do you think God expects of us? Well, I think God expects us expects us to love and nurture them at each stage in a way that points them to Christ and gives glory to God. I really, Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 is is kind of the, the model behind that. Okay. Um, can you read uh, for us what, De- what Deuteronomy says? Sure. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Man, you know, it sounds like the things that, you know, Eunice must have done. 
on right. some level. She had to. That's right. What he said about her. Just sounds like a lot of intentionality there. Right. You know, now that your kids are grown, what are three things you hope sticks with them? Well, um, thinking about this, I think to love God and love people through hum- humility and kindness and service, mm-hmm. then to work hard at whatever you do and, they, mm-hmm. the, and that your words matter. Man, words, words do matter so much. Just word choice how we use the word, right. the tone of the word. That's, yeah, I'm glad you talk. <laughs> I hope that sticks too. Right. So in what ways did you try to lead your children to Christ? So when the boys were younger, we used different things like the ABC Bible and some other children's resources to help them know Jesus. You know, we loved mm-hmm. the veggie tales and different things <gasps> like that. Tales. Yes. <laughs> and so just to make them familiar with Bible stories and, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was important for me that they had a Bible and learning how to find things in the Bible mm-hmm. and, you know, things like that. Being sure of their salvation was important mm-hmm. to me, too. So we were very intentional with conversations about what it meant to put their faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a period in my college years of doubt um, about my salvation. Just did I know, know what I was doing at eight? You know, yeah. and so mm-hmm. um, and I, I wrestled with that and, and had some some doubt with that. And I think it's because I couldn't clearly remember. Remember it. Yeah. And so it was really important for me when the boys came to us and said, you know, all of them at different times. Michael was in second grade and I think the boys were in third grade. And just to I wanted to hear them say the words, all of them through vacation Bible school, you know, you know, answered that that altar call type yeah. thing, and so a, another adult, precious adults, you know, were there when when they actually said, "Yes, I want to follow Jesus," or you know, mm-hmm. but but I wanted to hear it for myself, and it was because not because I wanted to be the one that heard it, but it's because yeah. I wanted to be able to tell them later in life, "This is what you said on this day," and mm-hmm. I believe that you meant it because in your you know, second grade heart in your third grade heart, you understood what you were doing, yeah. and so it was really important mm-hmm. for me, you know, to. To help them be sure of their salvation. Yeah, because it can really torment you. It can. Um, I, I worked at a camp where, like, when during when during that time came, you know, the the altar call or whatnot, right. the time to make a decision type of time. They actually had they gave counselors index cards for the the children to fill out. So it's like in their own words, they oh, write down good. what decision yes. they were making, whatever that decision was. Right. It can be the, I want to read my Bible 10 times a day or right. you know, whatever right. it was. Here it is. And we made copies of it and yada, yada. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, I thought that was a really cool thing. Yes. Yes. So, so and then as they got older, as far as, mm-hmm. you know, leading them to Christ, it, the other voices in their lives, there were other Christian voices in their lives that helped them along the way. They had wonderful life group leaders, bosses. The boys worked at the thrift store and had Philip Thigpen and other people there, mm-hmm. you know, really pouring into them. Michael worked for Robbie Compton and had people, you know, at the mattress store. At the mattress yeah. store, yes. Mm-hmm. And so had, you know, had him as a, a sounding board and someone to pour into him. Mm-hmm. Their friends, they have had some great friends who've pushed them along along the way as accountability partners and things like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, So did you play an active part in selecting, you know, a village for them? I I would say yes. I mean, because it was important for us 
it was important to us for them to have certain voices in their life. I mean, as they got older, not as much, not as much yeah. control, but especially when they were younger, you know, being a part of our church, being in the children's ministry. You know, I, I did when I did work as an office manager, I had to have some babysitting type things and I yeah. wanted to make sure that it wasn't just anybody. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, so it was important for us to to yeah. find that, that help that establish that village. Yeah, because then by that point, when they are older, they kind of know the mold of like what should be in their lives. Right. So maybe they're like, like I, I want this kind of person to be my mentor. Right. Because I know for me, by the time I was in high school and even maybe my late middle school, like I was already looking for certain people and some of them were my youth director or and some of them weren't, uh, right. but looking for certain adults that I knew it kind of already aligned with what mm-hmm. I thought was good. Right. But that what I thought was good has also helped established by my parents too right exactly so, yeah exactly i got you to your knowledge you know have you know did the boys ever question their faith like did your intentions work out well yes and no so um i've have two of the of the boys have been well i guess we'd say rebaptized, and mm-hmm. that really came out of a desire to i think they felt a stirring in their heart to make sure their commitment was real and then to have their bapti- baptism on the right side of that. Yeah. I know that's something we talk about a lot at our church right now is yeah. making sure your baptism is on the right side of your salvation and, and that they both, you know, just for that assurance, mm-hmm. wanted to do that. And so I have two of them that have gotten baptized a second time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But now we all know. That's so, right. That's yeah. Right. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, and what was special about the ABC Bible? So this was a little Bible that we would read at, at, at bedtime before we went to bed. And okay. so there was a verse for each letter of the alphabet. So like the A was a soft answer turns away wrath. Okay. And so, and then there would be a little story where, you know, Timmy and Susie would have an argument and, mm-hmm. you know, Susie would snap and sass or whatever. And so it's just kind of reinforcing what that verse meant, what it mm-hmm. looked like if you had a soft answer, what it looked like if you didn't. Yeah. And so that was the little ABC Bible. And it also okay. helped them memorize scripture. You yeah. know, we would, you know, talk through those and, you know, we would go through it. We would. We didn't just stop at Z. We would turn back around and do it some more. So, yeah. you know, then as they were older, and we did that for several years. So the That's, scripture would get a little bit richer to them yeah. as they understood more about mm-hmm. it. Awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I might have to check that out, see if we, you know, they still sell those. Yes. I, ha- I hope they do. Uh, they should. Yeah. yeah. Was there any specific scriptures that you try to teach them other than, you know, what, what you guys did with the ABC Bible? Yes. So Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. And then James 119, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know, just having boys and I can't just kids in general. I mean, everybody can get a little snippy sometimes mm-hmm. and, and just and maybe not kind to each other and just showing that this is what God expects of us is, is how to behave. And so then I also, I had, and this is not new. I mean, this is not my idea. Somebody, I heard this somewhere else yeah. um, and I can't remember where I would give credit, but so then I had these two verses on a whiteboard on our refrigerator for years. And then under it, under these two verses, it said, um, you know, these were questions to think about before you spoke. Because remember, one of the things that was important to me was that words matter. Is it true? What you're going to say? Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And then is it clear? And, you know, if you can say yes to all of those things before you say them, you're probably going to be okay as far as with yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. that's your 
this isn't really your question. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially is it is it necessary and kind? Right. Sometimes we say things that just it's like did are not necessary to say. To say. Mm-hmm. Right. And to say that, and especially if it's not kind. Right. Like, what's the purpose in that? And you know, siblings get on each other's nerves, and unkind things can come out. You know, mm-hmm. so just trying to help mm-hmm. remember that. And then First Timothy one seven. Um, one of my boys went through a stage of really being afraid, especially mm-hmm. of storms, mm-hmm. and so um, mm-hmm. just learning for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Um, I mm-hmm. think that was helpful. And then just the fruits of the spirit from Galatians five twenty two. Mm-hmm. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I love little songs. And oh, yeah. so we would sing the songs that went with some of these verses. We sang mm-hmm. the songs to learn the books of the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. just anything that could get that into their head so that it, when they needed it, they could remember it. It was, it was important to us. Yeah. Those are some good ones. I want to add that to my little list. I have a little short story. When I went to seminary about 10 or so years ago, I was there for about a year. And one of my classes, like a, about Sunday school, and like the structure of that and why it's important. But one of our like last projects, in, you know, we were tasked with like, okay, if you had like the ideal Christian parents and the ideal Christian child and y'all were at church every day that, you know, the, the doors were open, what should that child know by the time they're 18, like grown? Like, so they were there forever. What are we producing basically like as a church? And mm-hmm. goodness, from that point on, I'm just like, oh man, like what, what should my child know? And I started making a little list of like for different, different stages of life. And I think right now I have like 10. Okay. Cause I'm trying not to like, I don't, you know, it's one of the strategical things. Like I don't want to overwhelm them. I mean, my baby's not even two, but right, right. Yes. <laughs> you know, but like there are shorter scriptures and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think it's cool. I have to make sure I think I'm pretty sure I do have Ephesians on my list. I have to add these other ones to it though. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So did you guys ever do a family Bible study time? And would y'all discuss what was taught at at church? Well, we would try every now and then to do a family Bible study, but like the structure of things, like trying to just sit down at eight o'clock at night and do yeah. it or at the dinner table or whatever, it just didn't always work. Yeah. So, you know, it would last a few days or weeks and then it would, you know, just kind of lose steam. But mm-hmm. I did, you know, often ask the boys, you know, what did you learn in that life group? You know, what stuck out to you from the sermon? You know, just things like that so that it would remind them that, oh, I need to be listening. Mom might ask mm-hmm. me, you know, and just mm-hmm. to, to know. And even now I teach fourth grade life group and I'll tell my kids sometimes the the life group kids. Um, now, if your mama asks you what you what you learned today, yeah, you know, on the way home from church, don't say, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. this is what we learned to make yeah. sure they, you know, know what's, mm-hmm. what's going on. What was the main point? Was exactly. Point exactly. Yeah. But, you know, from the time the boys were really little, and this is something that my parents did, too. So this was kind of a, a mm-hmm. carry down was we um, always celebrated Advent. Mm-hmm. And we would do that by we had a wreath on our um, kitchen table and it had uh, four candles. And, you know, now I've seen lots of different. Um, meanings for the four candles. But for us, it was um, just a way to prepare for the advent of Christ. And that is yeah. his coming. He's okay. coming. And so it start, It would start on, it was always right after Thanksgiving. So the it's the four Sundays leading up to mm-hmm. Christmas. And so that first Sunday is about the prophecy. And mm-hmm. so the scripture that we would read, and I would use different materials, but they, you know, that for that week, it was all about what the prophets had said about Jesus coming. Okay. And so what Isaiah had said, and what Zechariah 
Mariah had said and what Micah had said. And so that would be scripture. And, and mm-hmm. the boys love, you know, would fight over at Firestream when they were little. I would not let them light the candles, but they would fight <laughs> over who was going to blow out the candle. You know, so we always had to, you know, we had to sit and listen and then we get to blow out the candle. Yeah. And so then the second Sunday, so we had the same prophecy and then we would do announcement. And that mm-hmm. was where, you know, Gabriel had come to Mary and Joseph separately and said, you know, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Jesus is coming, you know. And so then the third week was the birth candle. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about actually Jesus being born and what that looks like and all that story. And mm-hmm. how, you know, that was the scripture was through the, the gospels. And then the last one was when the shepherds came and gave okay. the gifts. And so that's like leading up to Christmas and the, you yeah. know, the gifts. And so, you know, that was just a way that they became very familiar with early. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put this can, this wreath on the table mm-hmm. and mom's going to light candles and we're going to talk about it. And anyway, I think it's funny because they they can tell you all of that usually. Mm-hmm. Now we have to, you know, as they got older, we'd pull them out and they can never can remember that first one, prophecy. For some reason, that one was hard <laughs> to remember. But, you know, I do think that that has stuck. And yeah. so I hope that they'll carry that on with their family in some mm-hmm. way. You I know? think it's just a great way to also keep the focus of Christmas. I want it supposed to be on right. too. We were right. making that time out to do that versus all the other things that kind of happen around that time. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we also around Easter time, we would do the resurrection eggs okay. at Easter to, to, to tell the story of the last week um, of Jesus's life here on earth. And that was just another tangible way for them to see it. And what that is, it's like a little egg carton and it's okay. got the 12 eggs in it. And the first one, you open it up and it has a donkey in it. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, Palm Sunday, Jesus coming in to um, Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And so you tell the story of Jesus's last um, week on mm-hmm. earth from mm-hmm. the there's a little and one of the eggs are praying hands for the garden mm-hmm. of Gethsemane and then mm-hmm. in one there's a cross that's made out of three nails to show that you know Jesus was nailed to the cross with the three yeah. nails and then you've got the, a little piece of linen to show what they wrapped him with and it goes all the way to the second to last egg is a rock to the, the stone that was rolled in front of okay. the tomb and then the last egg is empty to Yay. show that Jesus yeah. is alive and so mm-hmm. it's just something for them to hold something for them, something for them to shake. I mean, they are boys. They yeah. needed like, you know, they weren't just going to sit there and listen. You know, mm-hmm. they needed something to to hold and make mm-hmm. it tangible and, you know, to really tell the story. And again, I use that now with my fourth graders and they, they love it. So yeah. the resurrection eggs were always a good thing. So, you know, I tried to use... Just everyday things, tangible things, things they could do, see, touch, mm-hmm. feel to to help them learn more about who God is and yeah. what it means to follow Jesus and what he did for us. Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. And all of that sounds super important and very practical, too. You know, I just know also just for me and my own life experience, it was just nothing to see my own mother or, or my dad, too, like reading their Bible. Right. There. Like it was definitely real for them. And just seeing them, you know practically living you know in a practical way just simply reading their bible is like oh like this is real right wasn't a stage performance of like oh we we look pretty we go to this building on this day for these many hours and then come home it's over with right (laughs) right back to the quote-unquote real life like now like that was real life right exactly and i think i think that always carries weight just just living it out like eunice did right a sincere faith right that sincere faith exactly Yeah. What role did the church play in parenting? Okay. So for us, church, well, for me, church had always been 
like my happy place. That's where my mm-hmm. closest friends were, the people that, you know, I hung around with. And I wanted that for my boys as well. I didn't want them to feel like, oh, I'm going to go to church. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. it to be, oh, we get to go to church. And so thank goodness we never really did run into that. I know a lot of families do. And, you know, this this is the other thing about about my boys and, and, and parenting. I know parents who have done it way better than me and their, their kids have chosen a path that, makes yeah. them sad, you know? And mm-hmm. so there's no, nothing that I did right. It is by the grace of God. I mean, you know, yeah. just trying to put some of these things into practice, but you know, so we never did reach that point where we had to force them to go to church. Yeah. Um, they enjoyed being there. You know, I'm thankful for our church for first West for providing them with good biblical activities and programs, camps, fun things. And, you know, really two opportunities to serve Yeah. beginning young. I mean, I'm different pastors that we've had along the way have really focused on serving and what that can look like. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to wait till you're an adult to serve yeah. God, whether that's serving within the church walls or without of the church walls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know um, I'm just really grateful for our church for what they've what they've done to provide those service opportunities. And when James and Joseph worked at the thrift store, just that was a whole, I and mean, they were working, getting paid, but they got to see ministry done and, and mm-hmm. see people be the hands and feet of Jesus every yeah. day. And I think that gave them a... a, a a life-size picture of how fortunate they are. Yeah. You know, and then, Mm -hmm. and then just to see what it looks like to really help people and Mm -hmm. how, how to do it biblically, you know, with a happy heart. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's great. Like when kids are given the opportunity to serve, it just makes them more compassionate and generous people, Mm -hmm. you know, and just generous with their time and their money and their talents, all that, you know, being being generous is one of the things I hope to instill in Astrid. That's one of of my three. Yes. (laughs) And that's that's good. Yes. Yeah, so I'm just really glad you brought that up. And also, I just have to say, I feel like First West, and I know we're kind of bragging about it today, (laughs) but but that, like, their heart of service is one of the things that has, you know, drawn me to it. And then I'm proud to say that, you know, I just feel like we do a really good job of serving Mm -hmm. people in our community. Yes. You know, we're really intentional about that. Right. To my knowledge, I mean... Maybe I don't know enough, but uh, to my knowledge, every life group, which is like every Sunday school group, is highly encouraged to find a place to serve. Right. You know, and um, and I know we've been trying to like we've been scratching our heads trying to find one for right now, like where what group we can go to. We do have a few things on the on the docket. Right. Thanks to serve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I know like my husband's. Life group. I think they can do the soup kitchen. Oh, very good. Yeah, yes. like, that's theirs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but it's so we're really deeply, you know, rooted in in that into the community. We're not just you know inwardly focused, right? Right. And I always liked that. Me too. Okay, so we're gonna pivot just a little bit, okay. and we're gonna you know change directions and. Uh, I want to hear about what's, you know, special about your mom. What are some favorite things about your mom? My mom was a wonderful mom. She loved with everything she had. She loved holidays. She loved traditions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the things that we do around holiday time, you know, really things that she instilled in me. And I appreciated. I didn't appreciate them maybe as much as, you know, when I was younger. But Mm -hmm. then as a mom, I just thought, oh, those were so good. Mom was on point. (laughs) So and my mother was always proud. 
present. Like there was none of this girls night or Mm -hmm. go on a girls trip. My mom didn't do any of that. I mean, it was like what she was there all the time, you Mm -hmm. know, and and she even taught at the school that I went to. So we went to school together from first grade to 12th grade, you know? So, yeah. So (laughs) my mother was very present. She never, she never got tired of me and she was a wonderful grandmother. She loved my boys. And so she, she never tired of any of that. And, and she wrote me, typed me a letter almost every day I was at Tech. Mom was a typing teacher. Sweet. (laughs) She was a typing teacher. And so she would sit down at her typewriter and it was on pink paper and she would type me and she would tell me what was going on. Even if we talked on the phone, she would tell me again, you know, what was going on and how much she loved me and how proud she was of me and how much she missed me and was looking forward to us, you know, the next time I was going to be home. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I and we always my roommate Amy and I would laugh and because I, I would read them out loud and I think you know in, in, in some ways it was kind of not to make fun but yeah. it was just, I mean I think they my roommates loved to hear what she had to say because she Did was you always had a mom so, that that? yes yeah. and so she would always say she signed off blessed and thankful oh. we are blessed and thankful you know mom love you mom and so you know that's kind of a term that. I use a lot now. Blessed oh. and thankful. Oh, so. okay. Another thing that passed down. Yes. Awesome. Yes. So I got a special question. Did you ever write her back? I did. <laughs> I did not do it every day, oh. but I did write her back. And I'll have to say we, both of my parents mm-hmm. have passed away and I was mm-hmm. cleaning out their house just about nine months ago and mm-hmm. I found the letters. Oh man. My mommy kept them. And so, you know, just, and it's just, just like her. Yeah. I really am. I'm not surprised uh, yeah. that just fit right into how, how her name was May, how my mom was. And so mm-hmm. it was just, it was sweet that she hung on to that those. So she was a great mom. Yeah, it's very She's great mom. So what are, what are the top three things that you would say that she taught you? Okay. So she was all about manners. Mm-hmm. She would like, before I leave the house, she would tell me my maiden name was Mackie. And she would say, remember you're a Mackie. Like, Mm -hmm. don't go out there and do something that's going to embarrass our name. You know, Mm -hmm. so manners were important to her, you know, all of that. So manners and then loving people and serving them. My mother loved very big. I I said that earlier. She loved big. She loved her friends. She loved our neighborhood. You know, the people that lived around us, our church. Mm -hmm. She just was always there for whoever needed her. And then my mom was a very good listener. She would stop whatever she was doing, you know, and sit down and listen to all of my words, (laughs) you know, and I had a lot of words. And so it was it was now, you know, being a mom myself, you know, boys don't have as many words, but sometimes they do. And I think, oh, wow. You know, my mom did this and she never tired of it. Wow. Man, what a legacy. Mm -hmm. There's just some good things right there. Um and it looks like she tried to pass down like the one about being a good listener to you, like to you and yeah. the good manners and all that. Oh, so yes. Looks like that legacy is keep on keeping on keeping on. Yes, <laughs> that's good. So what's your favorite part about being a mom? You know, I am. I like the everyday things. I like the sitting around the table for meals or for breakfast or whatever we're doing. I loved reading to my kids. I love to read and I loved reading to my kids. Um, when I was teaching school, I loved to read to my school kids. That's just mm-hmm. one thing that I loved. I loved car rides. We would. Um, sing, you know, to whatever music was going, you know, on the radio or whatever mm-hmm. we'd put in to listen to. They had some great friends and we had a, we had a little play group that we started when 
Michael was little. We had, there were several moms that were the same, you know, had kids the same age and we started a play group. I loved that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, bath time, just any time where it was like hands on, one on one, face to face, eyeball to eyeball. You know, those yeah. were my times. We loved games. Our family loves to play games and we still do that. I mean, yeah. when they come home at Christmas or when we're all together for different holidays or whatever it is, we'll pull mm-hmm. out, you know, board games or card games and beach trips. We had, you know, epic phase 10 games going that would last days at a time you know and so I just love that kind of stuff and now having adult kids is so much fun they are just they're people that I like to hang out with you know they're not just my kids they're like people that are these these people are fun to talk to fun to play games with fun to go to a restaurant with Mm -hmm. you know just yeah okay well it's good to know I have something to look forward to yes that is true you will um have y'all transitioned to like being friends now or just a special advisory role or I think with Michael being older and married we definitely have reached that more of the friends stage I mean we still do you know advise them on things but we actually Mm -hmm. got to go visit them a couple of about a month ago and it was the first time I think that we had been just with the two of them and then my Mm -hmm. husband and I and just it was like two couples going out to dinner and hanging out and there was really no need to parent anything. And and that was, you know, that was nice. You know, with James and Joseph still being in college, there's still decisions ahead and things going on, you know, that Mm -hmm. they need advice for not as much and, and, and and trying to pull back a little bit, not be, Mm -hmm. you know, need to know every single thing that's Mm -hmm. going on, giving them some space to fly. Okay. So what is some advice you'd give to a mom that's in a stage below you? You know, family time is important. And I think nowadays we can have our kids involved in endless activities. Mm-hmm. Good good things. They're not bad things. But mm-hmm. when you are, when you are, there's no night of the week that you're home where you can sit down together as a family. I think that that, that is detrimental. Mm-hmm. And so I would say to moms, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do every sport. You don't have to do every activity. Pick maybe one thing for, you know, per child or or whatever. And not maybe not even per child, you know, one season at a time. Just spend family time together. To me, that's just your kids will talk to you. You'll find out things, you know, when you're so busy and they're exhausted, it just doesn't always um translate to family time. And then you know, relax and have fun with your kids. You know, mm-hmm. watch a goofy movie together or, you know, we had some great beach vacations and other vacations. My boys have lots of funny stories about, you know, mostly making fun of me and mm-hmm. my schedule. But, um, <laughs> you know, just the times that, that we were together as a family are so mm-hmm. fun. And then I would say to, you know, embrace your child's God given personality. Yeah. Um, you know, they are they are made special and unique. They are not a clone of their brother or sister, nor of you. And just to yeah. embrace that that God given personality, I think, can be so important mm-hmm. and make them feel valued. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think all of that's some real solid advice, especially that last one, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you just you can't be your parents. Right. That's <laughs> right. Know? And I really don't want them to be mean. <laughs> yeah. And then you want them, and then we'll have the whole different resentment and right. unnecessary and then everyone's watching like, oh, this is painful. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's good stuff there. Okay. This time for my favorite question. Okay. What is something your children do that is goofy or weird that you just love? Well, I, I do think all of my kids are goofy. I'm goofy. I mean, our whole family's goofy. I think we're, we've got some quirks about us. But um, so Michael, my oldest, he will um, break into his little own one man dance party pretty much at any moment. Um, 
than in any anywhere. And he thinks that's funny and we all have to laugh too. So um, Joseph is my one that is going to make sure all the doors are locked. Okay. Before bed every night. Not um, Stephen? Yeah, no. Mm, mm, <laughs> no matter. Yeah, no, Steve leaves garage doors up. So no, <laughs> Joseph's making sure everything is making sure, you know, make sure that we're safe. We're in. There's even some curtains that I don't close at night, but if he's home, they're closed. Yeah, okay. he's all about that. He's our safety patrol. And then James is, we laugh because he kind of goes into his own little world. He bec- can become hyper focused and okay. if he has on headphones or earphones or whatever, he'll just belly laugh and it's shakes the whole house if he found something funny and you're like what is he watching what is he listening to and so he can become you know very immersed in that and something else that's that's interesting about the boys James and Joseph they kind of came up with their own names for one another and this Mm -hmm. was like when they were just starting to talk oh wow yeah I mean this was they were little and so we (laughs) still use those names now sometimes when we're talking and like if they'll text each other they use that name but for joseph it was Joph, and then for james it was jen and i think actually james is the one that came up with these two names but that's kind of that was their little twin communication thing oh, that's cute yeah. oh that's awesome i just love that so Joph and john ja. john ja. ja. i don't ja. know it's it's ja. weird yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nothing for michael nothing for michael i mean and some people call alone. him mike or big mike or whatever but just my yeah. i call him michael so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Joy, it has been a joy having you here with us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Just a lot of good nuggets there. So, my name is Joy, and this is the story of the middle. And this is your host, Brandy Bostic, and you've been listening to the Up from the Muck podcast. Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock making my steps secure.